Welcome back to the Bailed Up Podcast, the third episode, hopefully of many. My name's Albie, and today on the episode, we're going to be talking about um, the fake fielding rule um, in a new segment I've called Obscure Rules, or Obscure Rules. Um, I don't really know yet, probably Obscure Rules. And then the weekly wax back um, with your weekly news, well, your fortnightly um, fortnightly news, then uh, predictions again for what the Aussie Ashes squad is going to look like, and then we'll also have a chat about um, the predictions, which is the re-predictions. So we'll look back and um, reminisce about our old predictions from the last episode. So that would be great. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Let's get straight into it. Welcome to the new segment of Obscura Rules, where I talk about some of the most unknown rules in cricketing history. Today on Obscura Rules, which is a new segment, we're going to be talking about the fake fielding rule, which is very unknown to the cricketing world. It is where um, a fielder or a wicketkeeper or someone like that pretends to throw the ball or distract the batter when they are fielding. Um, by the exact words of the cricketing, um, like the rule book, it states it is unfair for any fielder willfully to attempt by word or action to distract, deceive or obstruct either batsman after the striker has received the ball. Um, the ICC uh, um, put this rule into the rule book in 2017 and Minus Labuschagne was the first person to become penalised in a Marsh One Day Cup game or as it was called then, a JLT um, One Day Cup game. And there was also some incidents earlier this year when Quinta de Kock deceived Faka Zaman during the second ODI versus um, Pakistan um, of South Africa. So these incidents with um, a couple incidents, I'll just explain them. Manus Labuschagne, um, the, uh, the ball went through him or like um, when he tried to field it, it passed him and he pretended to throw the ball, deceiving the batsman and causing a bit of a mix-up um, and that just caused him to get penalised a few runs. So he was the first person ever to get penalised and then also when Quinton de Kock um, deceived Faka Zaman, um, he told the fielder to throw it to the um, the non-striker's end, um, the the end that Afaka Zaman wasn't um, wasn't running to, um, think making Afaka um, Zaman think that he was safe when in actual reality he wasn't because the ball was going straight towards Quinton de Kock and twi- uh, Quinton de Kock um, uh, uh, whipped off the bales with a nice little run out there so that's just um the fake um fielding rule it's just when the fielder or wicket keeper just deceives the um batter, batter in any way causing them to have a mix up with the other batter um they're uh, just causing them to get confused while they're running and maybe causing um some runouts so um there was also an incident before the um the like the when the rule was introduced back in um 2011 or 2014 when Kumar Sangakara tried to uh, pretended to whip the bows off um um 
deceiving the batter and then got the um got them out, which is also another example of it. But that um wasn't penalised because the rule hadn't been introduced yet. So that's just a bit of in- insight into the fake fielding rule, where you deceive the batsman into thinking that you are actually going to get them out when you're not going to get them out. So that's the first unknown rule of obscure rules for today um i hope to see you next week or the um, future podcast for some more obscure rules where i discuss and expand my thoughts on the different um obscure rules and unknown rules that cricket has to offer and are in the cricketing rule book so thanks for today and that's all i have on to the next segment Welcome to the third instalment of the Weekly Whack, where I give you a bit of news about the um, fortnight of cricket and the cricketing world with some updates of what is happening and the whereabouts of all the players. So, on to the Weekly Whack. We have seen some very, very surprising stuff here. Chris Gale, 42 years old, has um, finally stepped away from the game. Very saddening, very sad, but he's brought a lot of highlights, more than 14,000 T20 runs. He's an absolute beast in the T20 format. He's high score of 333 um, in the test format, and in all formats of the game, he is an absolute star and will be remembered for years to come in the West Indies cricket. And also, Dwayne Bravo steps away from the game after years of service for the uh, West Indies cricket team. So those are a bit saddening stories, but Chris Gale will always um, come back to the game. The universe boss, as he called himself, um, has stepped away, but the he got out um, quite cheaply on the, on against Australia a few days ago. So it was bad to see him go, and unlucky that. Um, he will go, but it will obviously mean that he st- um, he will help West Indies develop in um, future series and stuff like that. So uh, good luck for Chris Gale and the rest of his career. Um, and then back on to the WBBL with its news and updates. Um, on the WBBL, it's been very interesting. The top four teams are Melbourne Renegades in first place. They're up by four points, but they have played one more game and two more games than Sydney Sixers. So we're good to see there. Brisbane Heat in second, Perth Scorchers in third, and then Sydney Sixers in fourth. So that's just all the roundabout uh, roundabouts and stuff around there. Um, Brisbane Heat cruising along to a win against um, Sydney Thunder. Um, earlier, uh, a few days ago, um, Perth Scorchers um, are doing pretty well, but they um, just won against uh, the Hobart Hurricanes. They take six. They took six wickets in the seven overs and bowled um, the Hurricanes out for ninety six. And even though the Hurricanes did fight back a little bit, they didn't really. Um, uh, the Perth Scorchers cruised along and got there on the 15th over with ease, so that's just all. And also the WBBL launches the fir- first inaugural First Nations round where um, they celebrate the um, Indigenous culture and Indigenous players and, and they have Indigenous uniforms, so it's really good to see that there. Um, so that's all. And then we also have the semi-finals are coming out for um, the... T20 World Cup, India and the West Indies have been eliminated or they haven't been eliminated but they won't go through to the semi-finals. They're just playing it out to um, 
see this they see what's um what's happening and they they just play against other teams to um see their final standings as well so the semi-finals are england versus um nz nz or new zealand um nz coming off the back of a great victory um a few days ago and then um versus scotland and then pakistan versus australia so that's very um very great games will come ahead very surprising that india and west indies were the favorites um uh, at the start of the tournament at the beginning and won't uh, have the chance of taking the title of the t20 world cup away so those are the um the weekly news of the um all all rounds of the cricketing world so that's all we have time for today on the weekly whack see you in two weeks in the next episode where i expand and give you a little update into the world of cricket welcome back to predictions where i predict what is happening and what will hopefully happen um of based on my own opinions um in the cricketing world so today on the predictions i'll be predicting what the aussie ashes score will be leading into the ashes starting on december the 8th it's very exciting it's coming up and it's going to be a fiery five test series against england england's obviously just arrived in australia a month before they have to do two weeks quarantine and then they might train for two weeks and we've also just heard the announcement of um for the Aussies that they're going to do an intra-squad like battle out to see who is going to be in the squad. But I've just chosen a 17-man squad that hopefully um, like the Aussies will go ahead with. They probably won't hear it, but it sounds like a pretty decent squad to me. So <clears throat> what I've got is Tim Payne coming off... Uh, Tim Payne, captain and wicketkeeper, coming off the back of um, uh, just a bit of um, back surgery... Um, I think he's retraining. He's um, been doing some stuff with the gloves, and he should be back ready for the first test. It'd be great to see him on the stump, Mike. Hopefully, see a little bit of chatter with the um, with the Poms this summer, and that will be great to see because Tim Payne is an absolute character when you hear on tump, um, stump, Mike, and it'd be good to see him lead Australia to hopefully um, another Ashes, um, another Ashes victory. Um, but this time on his home soil in Australia. So that'd be great to see. Um, then the second is Pat Cummins, which is, who is the vice captain. Obviously, Pat Cummins is just an automatic pick. There's a few players in the team who are automatic picks, but um, Pat Cummins will bowl as far as he possibly can. Uh, uh, well, his first full series was in 27, 2018, his first home um home um, full series against England, that was that Ashes, and he bowled exceptionally well, um, uh, showing that he's ready for Test cricket and that he um, is back from injury back then, and now we've seen in the past years that Pat Cummins is an absolute star, so it'll be good to see how he goes, a few bounces to the Poms, great to see. Then I've got Steve Smith, obviously star batter, and in the 2019 Ashes, he performed performed very well um, and did amazing stuff there off the back of the ball tampering incident. But hopefully this year he can get a few hundreds and um, perform well for his country. Then I've got Nathan Lyon, obviously a um, 
103 capped um, Australian player. I might be wrong there of 103, but he's played more than 100 100 tests. So he's an absolute um, must-see for the Australian squad. He bowls his nice offies towards... um, uh, towards the POM, so it'll be good to see him. Can he get a few fifers? I don't know, but hopefully we can see him perform well throughout the series because he's just not, uh, he will perform very well. Next, we've got David Warner opening batter, come off the back of some good form earlier um, in the T20 World Cup after some... Um, uh, a little bit of controversy and a little bit of um, whether or not he should be in the team because of um, he hasn't been performing very well. But he came back, scored 89, scored a 50, and he should be back rearing and ready to go for the 2021 and 2022 Ashes. Next, I've got Mitchell Stark. Left quick, slings him into the right-hander. Um, hopefully, we can see him in the pink ball test where he swings the ball um it'll be great to see him he is one of the leading wicket takers in the world with um the pink ball next we've got josh hazelwood hopefully he can incorporate some of those t20 tricks um that he's found out um or uh, like uh started to develop um into the test arena good to see him back next we'll have um travis head um, Travis Head got kicked out um, last year, but we've seen some recent form from him. He got that double hundred in the one day. That is the one day, but hopefully we can see him come back into the test team. They need a middle order batter, so good to see. Then Matthew Way, that backup keeper as well, and also another uh, middle order batter. Um, He's just a fiery competitor. It'll be good to see him versus the Poms in the 2019 Ashes. He also got 100. So good to see if he can get 100 as well on Australian soil. Um, then next we've got Cam Green. Uh, last year he uh, obviously went and came into the squad as a 21-year-old. So see if he can get a, um, his maiden um, test 100. Um, he's just And to see if his bowling develops and if he can get any wickets... Um, or I can um, show the world that I'm not just a batter, I'm an all-rounder, look at my bowling. So it'll be good to see how he goes. Next, I've got Will Pukowski. Uh He might have been ruled out of the first test. Um, they're still thinking about it um, after he got his 10th concussion, but hopefully he can come back um, and play for his country because he is just a, um, a prodigy for um, the opening, so if he doesn't play in the first test, then Marcus Harris will play, and that's my leading into Marcus Harris, Marcus Harris is my next player in the squad, Marcus Harris, um, some great form, got 100, showing the uh, showing the selectors I'm ready for um, more test cricket, um, give me a role, so it'd be good to see if um, Wupakovsky's not ready for the first test, then or, uh, Marcus Harris will have an opportunity, and then another um, for sure, spot in the team is Manus Labashane. Um, so, Manus Labashane will hopefully bring back that fire that he had in the um, 2019 Ashes. Uh, uh, he did come in as a concussion substitute, but now he should play a very good role in the 2021-22 Ashes. So that'll be good. Mitchell Swepson has been in the squad for a few ne- for a few years now. Hopefully, he can come into the team, play his first test. 
Then I've got Usman Kawaja, 34-year-old veteran, come off the back of some great form, 200s, um, uh, a couple 50s in the Sheffield Shield, so that would be great to see him into the squad. Um, I don't know whether they will, but I hope they do because Usman Kawaja is a great player. Then I've got... And he can also bat wherever um, he needs to as well. So on to the next player. Um, the... Uh, the 15th player is Michael Nessa. Obviously, also like Mitchell Swepson, been in and around the squad for a few years now. Hopefully, he can get his maiden um, cap and get his um, baggy green so he can play out in the field. So he's another one of those pace bowlers that will hopefully maybe get a run. Um, alongside him will um, be next Mark Stekady. Obviously, got that 7 for in the Sheffield Shield. Um, uh, earlier this month, or earlier in October, um, so he should be an inclusion, and he was also meant to be included in the South Africa tour as well. And then I've got Jai Richardson, obviously played um, some Sheffield Shield cricket, is getting back to full fitness, full flight, so he should be back for a great Ashes tour. That's just my predictions into what the. 17-man squad will be for the Aussie Ashes. So hopefully I will see what that would be and then we'll reflect on that in a few coming weeks to see if I got any right. Last segment for today is just some predictions. I'm reflecting on the predictions that we made earlier um, of the semi-finals. Obviously, my semi-finals predictions weren't right. Um, I did get... Australia right, and I did get Pakistan right, um, but I didn't think that England and New Zealand will get in, which is a bit of a surprise, so um, that's it, and then we also have the highest run scorer and the highest wicket taker, I did predict uh, Joss Butler to be the highest run scorer, and um, Mitchell, Mitchell Stark to be the highest wicket taker, obviously Mitchell Stark did get a bit of a, a niggle and did get a bit angry injured so he isn't the highest wicket taker but um onto that Baba Azam is the highest run scorer but I was pretty close um Joss Butler is second after that magnificent century and Wanindu Hasaranga of Sri Lanka is a leading wicket taker with 16 wickets in about eight matches so that's all we have time for today on um the predictions so I'll see you next week for tuning in to the Bailed Up podcast for the third instalment of this um, long-running series, hopefully. Um, see you next week where I discuss all the whereabouts and all the um, haps in cricket. See you next time. My name's Albie. Albie out for a duck.